How are you feeling today? Doing okay? Doing okay? Now, if you have been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know what series we're in right now. But if you are just jumping in, we are in a series right now here at APA called Relationship Rehab. Relationship Rehab. Now, how many of you were here the first week? Do you remember what step one is? Do you remember? Love, somebody says. You're so smart. You're so smart. Do you remember what number one is? Let's see it. I acknowledge that God is the perfect example of love. Okay. Now, do you remember number two, step two? Do you remember? All right, let's see it. I accept that I am loved. Let's say it all together. Ready? I accept that I am loved. Now, number three may be difficult for some of you to say out loud because um, some of you just want us all to believe that you woke up like this and that you are in fact flawless and fabulous. But step number three is this, are you ready? I admit that I am flawed. Now, I know some of you are gonna need to take a deep breath, all right, let's do it. Take a deep breath together and breathe out. Let's say it together. I admit that I am flawed. I admit that I am flawed. Now that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. Now, maybe for some of you, this is a little bit easier to say than others. And I feel like there are like two opposite extremes of this spectrum. There are some people who like to just like pretend and put off, like I have it all together, I really don't make mistakes. And some of you know who that person is in your relationships. And they're never the ones who are wrong. They're never the ones who make mistakes. It's always somebody else who did something wrong. It's always somebody else who made the mistake. I'm certainly not like this at all, Clark, right? But there's two opposite ends of the spectrum. Those who kind of are like, no, like I, I, I'm not, it's, it's not that you like, you don't want to say that you're not flawed or that you're perfect because you know you're not supposed to, but you kind of believe it, you know? You know that like you shouldn't say it out loud, but you're like, I'm pretty awesome. Like I've got my stuff together and I'm not the one who usually brings baggage or mistakes or hardship into relationships. Okay, that's one end of the spectrum. The opposite end of that spectrum is the person who is like, I'm awful, I do everything wrong, I'm terrible, I can't get anything right, I'm just a total disaster and a mess all the time, right? How many of you know someone like that? You are someone like that. <laughs> okay. But somewhere in the middle is probably a pretty healthy place to be, where we're not just like, I'm terrible, I'm, I, I'm a mess, I'm always just a disaster, whatever. But then you're not like, you know, believing that you're flawless and totally perfect and put together. But somewhere in the middle is recognizing and admitting that, listen, I'm flawed. Like sometimes maybe you get things right, but sometimes you don't. That, you know, you're not perfect. And sometimes you are the one who maybe brings some of the baggage and some of the mess into the relationship. And so that's the place that we want to find ourselves this morning is kind of somewhere in that middle ground of believing that, you know what, I am flawed. And I find anyway, when I get into like conversations, let's call them heated debates with people. Maybe you call it a fight in your home. 
Let's say when I get into like a heated conversation with someone, I'm usually not thinking about how wrong I am, right? I'm usually thinking about what the other person did wrong, how wrong they are, how their logic doesn't line up, how mad I am at them. Is that not usually how you approach like a heated conversation, right? If we're being honest with ourselves. And so to stand back and say, I admit that I am flawed, Okay, I got to admit, <clears throat> this one's kind of hard for me. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Somebody, somebody's like, I knew it. I knew she thought she was awesome. I knew it. <laughs> Honestly, this one's kind of hard for me. I can't be the only one in the room, right? Right? <laughs> Like, this one's hard for me because, like, I, I don't fight for something unless I, like, really believe it's the right thing, you know? Like, I'm never wrong. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke, Clark. It was a joke. <laughs> Clark is my husband, for those of you who don't know who I keep talking to. Uh, he is in Africa right now with our two-year-old son, Ao, but he's joining us on FaceTime like he does every single Sunday morning when he's there. So, you want to say hi to Clark? Hi, Clark. Hi, Clark. There he is. Um, but honestly, like, I don't, I don't, like, present my thoughts or, because I'm like, you know how some people, like, say things before they speak? And then other people think about things before they say them? I, like, generally, like, at least 80% of the time, I think about the things before I say them. So if I'm going to, like, bring an argument to the table, I've thought about it, I've logically processed it, I've, like, worked through it all, and then, so then when I say something, like, I really believe that I'm right. And I actually think I am most of the time, but... <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Kind, no, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> We're going to read 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 this morning. It says this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. I'm reading out of the NLT this morning. It just, um, let, let me just say this little disclaimer before we read this. There are a lot of different versions of the Bible, and, um, or different versions, yes, different translations of the Bible. And so um, we sometimes will use different translations when we speak to you and when we teach on a Sunday. And so um, when we remember, we'll let you know what translation that is, because sometimes you might hear us read something and think like, oh, that really made a lot of sense the way that that was worded. And it might be because that translation is just worded in a different way. And so this morning, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation or the NLT. And it's just sometimes has a just like more everyday language way of explaining the scriptures. It still says the same thing as your NIV or your King James Version or your English Standard Version. We, it still says the same thing, but it's somebody has just put it in language that's a little bit easier to understand. Okay, so today I'm reading from the NLT. It says this, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in our truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. See, sometimes we might think, like, I would never suggest or I would never say that I'm flawless or I'm perfect we were never going to like say those things and like in all honesty, like if I like truthfully standing here before you, I would not say like, I don't think I'm flawless. 
I don't think I'm perfect. Like, I know that I make mistakes and I know that I like do things and I know that I'm like a sinful person because I like read through the scriptures and I know that like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like, like Paul tells us that. And so I, like, I know all of these things are true. But if we're being honest, sometimes there are some phrases that we use and that we adopt in our own vocabulary that suggest that what we say and the way that we act don't line up always with what we believe. So we might think like, no, I know that I'm flawed. I know I make mistakes. I know I don't always do things right. But then there are certain like verbiage and words that we use that suggest otherwise in our language. I'm going to give you a couple examples of those things this morning. The first phrase that we use that might suggest our inability to recognize our own flaws, the first phrase that we use is you, okay? Saying that word, you, okay? When we say all the time, if we come into a conversation or a, a heated conversation or an argument or, or a fight with someone or some kind of interaction with someone, when we're constantly using you language, when we're saying you more than you say I. Now, if any of you have ever gone to any kind of um, therapy or counseling with another individual, maybe that was, you know, with a parent, uh, you've gone in, uh, you know, with one of your parents or with one of your children, or maybe you've gone to like couples therapy or couples counseling where you've talked about these things, this may be something that you heard them talk about in a counseling session where they say, instead of all the time saying, you did this, you do this, you never, you always, you whatever, try instead to use I statements. Like this is, I'm, I'm taking ownership over my own thoughts and my own feelings and my old behavior. Because sometimes we say things like, you always forget to do the things I ask you to do. You always forget to take out the garbage every single time. You always forget to, you know, pick up what I asked you to pick up from the grocery store. You always forget to, you know, file whatever form you were supposed to file online. So fill in the blank of what that looks like in your household. Do you want to know what mine are? Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Fill in the blank for what that looks like in your own household. You always forget to do the things that I ask you to do. You can probably think of some of those things right now, the constant conversations that you have with someone. Well, you never, well, you always. Why do I always have to remind you to do this? Maybe you say things like, you never want to hang out with me. Maybe you say that to your friends. Maybe you don't actually like vocalize that because you don't want to sound needy. <laughs> but maybe that's what, you're like, all, that's what you're thinking all the time is, you never want to hang out with me. Well, you never want to spend time with me. Well, you're always on your phone. <laughs> you're always on your phone. Every time I try and talk to you, you're always on your phone. Every time I try and have a conversation, I'm like, hello, are you there? Is anybody in there? And you're sitting there and you're texting your friends and you're talking or you're watching stuff. You're always on your phone. You're always watching TV. You always use this tone with me. How many of you, your parents have said that to you? You always use that tone with me. I mean, if you've said that to your parents. <laughs> Maybe even things like, you made me this way. You made me this way. I am the way I am because of you. See, when we use these you statements, we're pointing the blame. We're pointing fingers. And so even though we might 
say on the outside, like, I would never say that I'm flawless. I would never say that I'm perfect. When we approach our conversations with people in our lives and we're constantly using this kind of language, like, you did this, you're always, you never, you made me, you, 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 then we're actually pointing the blame and we're not taking responsibility for our own mistakes, our own flaws, and our own imperfections. And so even though we might not say I'm flawless or I'm perfect, when we use this kind of language, ultimately we're kind of moving towards hinting at that in the way that we act. We begin to blame, we begin to point our fingers, we begin to accuse other people. The second phrase that we often use that might suggest an inability to recognize our flaws is this, well, I only did it because. I'm only like this because of the way that I was raised. Well, I'm only, I'm only like this because that's how my parents were with me, and so I only know how to be like that with you. Maybe that conversation with your kids. Maybe the conversation with your spouse. Well, I'm only like this because this is how I saw my parents in a relationship, and I just expected that that's the way that it would be. I'm only like this because, and we use this phrase, I only did it because, I'm only like this because, to justify our actions. I only did it because I've never seen it done differently. I only did it because this is what you taught me. I only act this way because you egg me on. How many of you have heard that before? Well, I wouldn't be so irrational and I wouldn't be so upset and I wouldn't be screaming and shouting, you egg me on, you make me this way. No? Not in your home, right? <laughs> we use these phrases, I only did it because I didn't think it would hurt anyone. And so we say, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm flawed, but then we say these statements, well, I only did it because, and we justify our actions, and in using those kind of terms, and by justifying the things that we do, we're sort of saying, like, it's not really my fault. I am this way because of, I did it because I never thought, you know, you hear what I'm saying? So we use these statements, we use these you statements all the time, you did this instead of taking ownership ourselves. We say things like, I only did it because we justify, we blame, we justify. Another statement that we often say is, well, at least I didn't, <laughs> right? Well, at least I didn't, well, at least I didn't cheat on you. You know, I'm only looking at things I shouldn't, I'm not touching, I'm only looking, I'm not touching. You know, at least I shouldn't, you, can't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be that upset at me for looking at that stuff on the internet because at least I didn't go cheat on you, you know? At least I didn't. Maybe you say things like, well, at least I'm not like blank. Well, at least I'm not like Jan's husband. I mean, he just sits around and watches TV and he doesn't do anything. At least I help you around the house. You know, at least I, I go and pick up the kids when you need me to. Or at least, you know, if you tell me to cut up the bell peppers for dinner, I, at least I cut them up if you ask me. At least I'm not like your mother. I'm just gonna move on. At least I'm not like your ex, you know? He did this, he did this, she did this, she did that. You know, at least I'm not like, and we use this kind of like where we, where we compare to things. 
So we say, at least I didn't, and in doing that, we compare. And so we do these things to blame, to justify, to compare. And in using these kinds of language, what we're trying to do is we're not saying I'm flawless. We're not saying we're flawless. We're not saying that we're perfect. But when we use all these different kinds of language to blame, to justify, to compare, what we're trying to do is to show that it's somebody else's fault, not our own. Or who we are isn't really that bad. Or what we're doing and what we've become isn't really something to get upset with. And so even though we're not saying that we're perfect, even though we're not saying that we're flawless, We're still using language that tries to communicate the person that we're interacting with or the person that we're in relationship with. We're trying to use language that in some way suggests there's nothing wrong with me, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. See, I'm not that bad. But there's a bit of a problem with that. See, John says, if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so some of you today are saying, okay, so I use those phrases sometimes. I mean, I'm guilty. I sometimes, hardly ever. (laughs) I occasionally use some of the phrases that I talked about. And I would never say, well, like, because this is what John says here. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. And I would never claim that because who John is talking to, who he's writing to, like the, the listeners and the readers that he's speaking to here is like, these people are actually believed, you know, because they're living their life for Christ, because they've adopted this kind of mindset and mentality, they were like, okay, well, we're not living in sin anymore. We have no sin. And he's saying to them, listen, don't ever get to a place in your walk with God, in your relationship with God, where you feel like you've arrived. And when you word it like that, and when you put it like that, that's when I start to go, oh. Now, some of you in this place are like, this, okay, that, that is not how I feel. Maybe you realize every single day I'm flawed, I'm a sinner, I mess up all the time. But there's another group of people in this room, and that's who I want to speak to for just the next 30 to 60 seconds, who are in this room, and you're like, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm a good person. I don't really do a lot of the, like, big things that I shouldn't do, you know, I'm not going out and like ruining people's lives or destroying things or whatever. And you think to yourself, you know, like I'm not that bad. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you feel like you've, you've mastered the behavior modification part of what you believe is necessary for your salvation. You're pretty good. I mean, you may be actually relieved to know that I like feel like that this morning. I'm not coming before you with this like list of big monstrous sins. <laughs> You know, as a pastor at this church, there's not all these hidden things in my closet that need to be exposed. Like, I feel like, you know, I do my best to, like, live a life for God and to to make sure that my life lines up with the things that I see in Scripture. Like, I do my best to do that. And so I come into my relationship with God sometimes, and I'm like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I can't be the only one in the room that feels like that sometimes, right? 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 I mean, it's not that I don't do things wrong, but sometimes you come in and you're like, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. But then if I'm being honest, 
If the reason why John is writing this scripture and is writing this passage to his readers and to the people that, that he like has this heart and this burden for, where he desperately wants them to experience the love of God, I really believe that when he says to them, like, listen, if you claim to be without sin, you're fooling yourselves, he wants them to remember every single day the frailty of their humanity. He wants them to remember every single day that you haven't made it. Without Jesus, you're nothing. Without his redemptive power in your life, you're nothing. Without him helping you through things. And that's why you've got this guy. Like the Apostle John who writes this passage, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one whom Jesus loved, who understood the depths and the, 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 the magnitude of the love of God in his life, who spent time with his Savior and with his Creator. You've got this guy who's saying to his readers, who's saying to his people, listen, don't ever claim to be without sin. You need to live every single day aware that you mess up, that you make mistakes. And if you try and go ahead living your life acting like, ah, I'm doing okay, I'm doing just fine. He says the truth isn't even in you because what he's talking about, we'll get a little bit into this later, what he's talking about when he talks about the truth isn't in you. He's saying you don't fully understand the magnitude of what Jesus has done in your life. And when you don't fully understand what that is, there's something missing, there's something incomplete. So these three phrases that we use, we say you, we blame, and we did it because we justify, at least I didn't, and we compare. I think that we sometimes use this language with God sometimes. See, when we adopt this language that deflects our flaws, we're essentially communicating that we're not wrong. The root of that behavior carries into our spirituality and we effectively come to God with that same mindset. If you find yourself saying those things, acting that way in your personal relationships here on earth, your parents, with your roommates, with your spouse, with your siblings, your boss. Then the likelihood that you carry that same mindset and that same mentality into your spirituality is actually pretty high. Because when you approach your life, like, I'm not in the wrong. Like, it's not my fault. And when that comes out in our speech and in our behavior, we actually carry that same mentality into our relationship with God in a sense. Because it shows that we don't really think that we need to be forgiven for things. It communicates that we don't really think that there's a root there in us that's wrong. So let's look at that you statement for a second. We say this you, you language, this blame language. God, you didn't come through for me when I asked. God, you didn't heal my mom. God, you made me this way. That same kind of pointing my finger and blaming, God, you didn't come through when I asked you to. God, you didn't, you didn't heal that person that I was praying for. God, you didn't change my situation. God, you made me this way. You created this way. Why did you put this struggle in me? And when we come to God with this you mentality and when we blame him and we point our fingers, even though we're not trying to communicate that we're, we're flawless and that we're perfect, ultimately what we're saying is, God, there's something wrong with you, not me. That's what we're communicating to him. We're saying, God, it's your fault. It's not me. Instead of saying, God, I know my prayers are selfish sometimes. 
I know I'm asking for what I want. God, I know I don't see the whole story and you do. God, I trust you because I know you have my best interest at heart. You see the difference in those statements? God, you didn't come through for me. God, you didn't heal. God, you made me this way. Versus, I know my prayers can be selfish. I know I don't know the whole story. I trust you because I know you have my best interest at heart. See, we have to be careful that we don't come to God with this like mindset that everything that happens wrong in our life is his fault. God, you, God, you, God, you. Now, I mean, this is a whole sermon for a different time, but that actually stems from this idea and mentality that, that, um, that's a little bit distorted in that the God, if we say God is love, and he's the perfect example of love, then all good things stem from him. And if we say that God, the opposite of that is sin, and that that represents who the enemy is, and that all of the pain and the suffering and the death and destruction in this world come from him. Some of you are actually getting, wrong at the wrong, getting mad at the wrong person. That's a sermon for a different time. So we use these statements with God. We say, you, you didn't come through. You didn't heal me. You made me this way. Instead of owning up for where we're coming at in this situation, because that's what our responsibility is. As we come to him flawed, as we come to him broken, as we come to him sinful, it's our responsibility to take ownership over where we're coming from, not to point the finger and blame. What about, I only did it because? Well, God... I only did it because I can't keep track. I can't remember all the rules in the Bible. I mean, have you read the Old Testament? Do you know how many things are listed in there that I can't do? Like, God, I only did it because I can never remember all those things. What am I supposed to do? Carry around my Bible all the time and every time I want to make a decision, I'm supposed to flip open to the Old Testament and read through the list and try and figure out what I can and can't do? Here's the thing. Cheat sheet right now for you, friends. Okay, are you ready for this? Two rules. Love God love people, okay? That's what Jesus came and he said. He said, listen, I know there's all these rules. I know there's all these things. I know that's hard for you to keep up with. And remember, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I know that's like a difficult thing for you to remember to do all those things. But this is what Jesus says. He says, listen, two most important things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things with your whole heart and with your whole being, everything else is covered. All the important ones anyway. Really, really. So that excuse, that excuse, well, I just did it because I couldn't remember. Was I really allowed? Was I not? Where's the line? I don't know. Am I allowed to go this far or not cross it? I'm not. Listen, if you can remember two things, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. If you can, how many of you can remember two things? Clark, it depends if you're going to get groceries, right? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. He told me after last week, he's like, Kim, you can't be like that with me when I'm not there to defend myself. And I said, Clark, that's why I can be like that, is because you're not here to defend yourself. That's why, that's the only reason I can do this. Otherwise, anyway, two things. <laughs> love God, love people. That excuse, well, I can't remember all the rules. Listen, don't worry about all the rules. You don't even have to know the Ten Commandments. You know, honestly, like, I, I did, like, four years of, like, post, like, college. <laughs> I 
<laughs> Clearly they didn't teach me what it was called. Uh, I did four years of college like studying the Bible and like studying theology and everything. And then I like did a graduate degree after that. Uh, I, I don't even think I could tell you all 10 commandments right now if somebody just quizzed me. Also because I can't remember my phone number half the time. <laughs> but two things, love God, love people. I can remember that. Anyway, I only did it because. I can't remember all the rules. Not an excuse. I only did it because it's exhausting trying to be perfect. It's exhausting just trying to, like, keep up with everything all the time. Like, God, I only, I only slipped up because this is hard. <laughs> do you do what it is to, like, try and, like, be the good girl all the time who, like, doesn't make a mistake? I only did it because I just, like, it's just hard to try and, like, keep up with it all. I only did it because I needed to relax and ease my stress. I just have a lot going on right now. I just needed a break. I only did it because I need to be relatable or relevant. Listen, I don't know if you make some of these excuses sometimes in your life with God, where you come into a relationship with Him and you say, God, I only did it because. Because I can't remember all the rules, exhausting trying to be perfect. I need to relax and ease my stress. I need to be relatable and relevant with my friends. That's the Listen, when we come to God with those things, we're just, we're trying to justify, we're trying to justify this behavior instead of owning it and admitting it. We, we try and find all these reasons. This is why I made a mistake. This is why I messed up. This is why I did some of the things that I shouldn't be doing. Listen, you don't need me to list all those things off. You know what your sins are. You know the things that when you're like, you probably shouldn't have done that. You know what those things are in your own life. It might be time to own it. We use those statements, you, you. We say, I only did it because. We say, well, at least I didn't. We compare ourselves. We determine this like sin hierarchy. And as long as we're not like that bad, we think we're okay. Now, you know what I mean when I say a sin hierarchy? It's like we've decided, it's like, okay, if we lay out, let's like list 10 sins for me. Okay, cheating, lying, stealing, murder, getting hammered, gossiping. Like we list all these sins. And then if I said to you, okay, now put those in order of which one you think is the worst and which one you think is not as bad. Okay, well, murder for sure, right? The gossiping, well, let me put it down here a little bit. You know, I'm just, it's not like I'm getting hammered, you know? I just stole five bucks from my mom because I wanted a Slurpee. <laughs> we create this hierarchy of sin in our lives. Well, God, at least I didn't. And we sometimes come to it and we're like, well, it could have been a lot worse. I'm just gossiping. I just, I'm just telling my, I'm just making sure that my friends know what that person really did. We were just praying for them, you know? It's not that bad, God. There's people out there that are doing a lot worse. We say things like, well, at least I didn't harm anybody. I'm only hurting myself. I'm not hurting anybody else. Well, at least, you know, you think of sometimes your worst case scenario. Like, like maybe for you in your marriage, your worst case scenario was getting a divorce. 
And so maybe there's all these other things that are like getting messed up in your marriage, but you're like, well, at least I didn't get divorced. And so as long as I don't do whatever you've deemed in your mind is the worst possible scenario for your relationship, you do all those other things. Somehow all of the other things and all of the other mistakes and all the other sin and all the things that creep in there somehow are okay because, well, I didn't get a divorce. Well, at least I'm not. And then you go again to like the worst case scenario, like, you know, with, with alcohol, like maybe, maybe you do drink a little bit too much. And maybe when you do drink, you, you know, act a way that you know you're not proud of and you're kind of embarrassed of sometimes. At least I'm not an alcoholic. Like, I don't need to be checked into like an actual rehab center. At least I'm not really, we say these things. We often measure our sin against people around us instead of against the Bible. I'm gonna say that again. Often we measure our sin against what people are doing around us instead of what's in the Bible. We're not operating in our own convictions of what we read in Scripture and what we believe the Holy Spirit's saying to us. We measure ourselves against what other people are doing. Maybe, for example, you have a personal conviction in your life that you should not be drinking. You just believe that that's just something when you read in scripture, it says, you know, don't cause your brother to stumble and and you don't wanna do it. You read all these things and that's your personal conviction. But then you hear this other group of people talking and they're talking about how it's not a big deal for them. And they go and they'll go to a restaurant and order a beer, order wine or whatever. And instead of measuring your life against your own convictions and what you believe the Holy Spirit speaking to you and what you believe that the Bible is saying as you interpret it and read it, instead of that, you're just looking at what everyone else is doing and you're comparing it to that. Maybe you're saying, well, at least I'm not like so-and-so. You know, this has happened to me in the past with um, shows that I was watching on TV where I was like, I would feel like kind of guilty and like a little bit dirty about like watching, like I'm, I shouldn't say dirty because it's, it's not even like, you know, here I am saying it's not that bad. <laughs> I'm coming to the altar right now and repenting, okay? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but I would like watch these like shows on TV that like, you know, there's like a little bit of stuff that I probably wouldn't want my kid growing up watching. But then I like hear somebody else talk about the show And they would like say that they watched it and I was like, whew, okay, I'm not that bad. If so-and-so watches it and I think they're a good Christian, then I must be okay. How many of you have done that before? Come on. Seriously. Where you're like, you, you, you have this conviction in your heart that you like, okay, no, I should not talk about people. But then you get around someone who you like kind of respect and you really believe that they've like kind of got their life together a little bit more than you. And then you hear them like talking about stuff or talking about someone and you're like, I mean, well, like if Pastor Ange is doing it, then I can, <laughs> you know? She isn't. I'm just, she was an easy example. I knew she anyway. Do you know what I'm saying though? Instead of when we feel convicted about things, and this is, this is what happens. And so this is what I believe, like when John says, if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Now, that's like a really essential part of what we believe as Christians. Like we believe that we are flawed. That's why we need Jesus. We believe that we're sinful. We believe that the reason why Jesus had to come and atone for our sins, the reason why he had to come and die on a cross is this like ultimate penalty. We, we, the reason why like we believe he had to do that is because we know that we're flawed. We know that we're 
imperfect. We know that we're sinful people. Like that, that really is like part of the foundation of our faith of what we believe. And so I know that coming into a room like this, most of us at the very premise, those of you who believe in Jesus and you believe you've chosen to give your life to him, most of us in this room, at least at the very foundation and the premise of our faith, that's what we say, I know I'm flawed, I know I need Jesus, I know him to come and heal me from my sins. But the way that we live our everyday life communicates something different. Because it's one thing to say something. I'm flawed. I'm a sinner, I need him. It's one thing to say that and it's another thing to act like we have it all together, to deflect, to always point blame, to always make excuses, to always justify our behavior. See, the reason it's so important to John that his readers acknowledge their sin is because if we don't admit our flaws and our need for a savior, then we're missing out on the essence on the essence of what our relationship with God is about. He says, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. If we claim we have no sin, we're not living in the truth. That's what John says. And he's not just talking about the fact that we're lying to ourselves because we're sinful. He's saying to him, the truth is this authentic and real relationship, this authentic and real nature that has been revealed about Jesus. See, in John's gospel, Jesus is the true light. John says that in John 1.9. In John 6.32, he says he's the true bread. In John 15, 1, he says he's the true vine. This is what John is helping, trying to help us understand here. He's like, Jesus is who he says he is. He's the true vine. He's the true light. He's the true bread. He is the truth. And so when we say that we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. When we don't admit our flaws, when we don't come and admit that like, yeah, okay, I'm bringing a fragmented piece into this relationship. When we don't admit that, we're not allowing ourselves to live in full relationship with him and who he is. Now, the first week we talked about how Jesus is the perfect example of love. God is love. He's the perfect example of love. You wanna know what love looks like? You get to know God, you look at him, you study his character, you understand who he is. It's why it's so important for us to have the New Testament because we have like God is love, but then when Jesus came as God's son, as God embodied here to this earth, he became this example for us so we could see what does it look like for a human to live that way? Okay, so God is love. That's great. That's great for God. What does it look like for a human to live like God? That's, that's the example we have in Jesus where we can see now the way that he treated people. We can see the way that he spoke to people. We can see the way that he interacted. We can see the way that he stepped out in faith. We can see the boldness that he had to address injustice. being honest. We know we're not perfect. 
We know we're flawed. But I wonder, this morning we talked a little bit about what it looks like to carry that into your relationships here on earth and with God this morning. That's, that's what we just talked about. And we know we're not perfect, but man, sometimes we're not good at admitting our own faults and mistakes and flaws, hey? Like it's easy to blame other people. It's easy to justify our actions. Like those, those are all easy things to do. It's easy to just compare and say, I'm not as bad as. I'm trying to figure out, okay, if I want to live that way where I'm not, where, where I'm admitting my mistakes and admitting my flaws and admitting my faults. Because this thing, like, I, 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 I do want to be like that. Like, I mean, I don't, but I do, you know? Like, I want to be able to, like, if I'm having a heated conversation with my husband, like, I want, I want to be able to just, like, not pick out all the things he's doing wrong. Like, I don't want to be, like, justifying, well, like, the only reason I'm yelling right now is because you did this. And even though, like, I know I shouldn't be yelling to begin with. You know, like, I, I, wanna be, I, want, I, want, I wanna be like that. And I think if most of us are being honest here this morning, like, we want to live that way. We don't wanna be people who blame and who justify our actions or who point fingers and, and, and who, who try and just, you know, like, we, we don't wanna be those people. And I think this is what I've realized in my own life is that if I can first come to Jesus, if I can first come before God and admit my shortfalls and admit my mistakes, it's a lot easier to admit them to a human being after. If I can come to God and say, oh God, help me, I'm a little bit selfish lately. Jesus, can you just like, like, I've just been slipping a little bit. I've been watching stuff I don't want to watch. I've been saying things I don't want to say. I keep catching myself talking about people when I don't really want to be talking. If I can first come to Jesus and I can admit that to him and ask for his help and I can come to him knowing that he won't judge me and he takes me as I am and he can forgive me. And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes my mistakes from me. If I can come to him like that and be honest and acknowledge those things before him, then it creates this different posture in my heart. If I can come before Jesus and say, I'm broken. Man, that's hard for me to admit. And I'm a sinner. I need your help. I'm selfish. I think about what I want sometimes before I think about what other people want. I have my own plan of how I would like things to go. If I come to him and I have those honest conversations first with God, then the posture in my heart has changed. And all of a sudden, instead of being proud and selfish, I've created this posture of, of humility and of brokenness where I'm not trying to pretend and have it all together. And so this is what I would recommend, rather than trying to fix all these things in your relationships that I'm talking about, of the way that you interact with your parents, the way that you talk to your boss, the way that you interact with your roommate or your spouse or all those people, before you even try and fix all that, what we're suggesting, 
There's a reason why for the first three weeks we're spending time, this is who, this is what love is. This is who Jesus is. This is what he came to do. Before you try and fix all your human relationships, come and find yourself on your knees before the Father and admit I'm broken. I can't do this on my own. I do mess up. Man, I'm really selfish sometimes. Have those conversations first with God. Accept the forgiveness that He offers you and watch the posture of your heart change and transform. Man, you might be shocked that the next time you come into a heated conversation with someone, that instead of, well, you, well, well, at least I'm not like, well, did you, instead, if you came and you were like, yeah, you know what? I probably wasn't clear about that. I'm sorry, maybe I didn't communicate that properly. You know what, I, I don't know why I acted that way, I'm sorry. Like it creates this humility and this posture that sets us up to have success in the rest of our relationships. Do you see the correlation? But if I can't come to God, if I have this like pride in my heart and I come before God and I'm like, I don't even know what to have. Well, the preacher preaches and says, ask for repentance for your sins. And I'm not even sure what to ask for repentance for because I'm doing pretty good. Just for the record, I have like, I've actually been there before. Oh, should I, should I not admit that? <laughs> I've actually been there before where I've like heard a preacher preach and they're like talking about sin and leaving it at the altar. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm doing pretty good right now. Do you know what that pride that, that, that pride and that attitude, I carry into the rest of my relationships too. That means that as a wife, I come into my relationship, even though I probably have made mistakes, thinking, I think I'm doing pretty good right now. Or come into my relationship with my mom or my dad or my sister, thinking like, I'm in a pretty good place. You must be the problem. <laughs> We're fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like clearly if I'm in a good place and I don't really have anything to ask for forgiveness for, then you're the problem, not me. <laughs> even though we don't say it, we act like, you know, so when John says, like, don't lie to yourself. Don't walk around like acting like you claim to have no sin. Find yourself constantly at the feet of Jesus, recognizing that you need him, that you're broken, that you're empty, that if it wasn't for him, what would you be missing? Man, this is a, we could talk about this for weeks, but you know, Thank God we have nine more. We could talk about this for weeks because there's just the ins and outs and the nitty gritty and there's examples and whatever. Why don't you stand? Here's the thing. I guess, I guess, in essence, we're, we're talking about sin this morning. When I say I admit that I'm flawed, you wanna see an improvement in your relationships? Admit that you're wrong sometimes. Okay, it might take you a while to get there to actually saying it out loud. But before you do that, before you can go into your relationships and admit that you're flawed, you need to come before God and admit that you're flawed. Don't roll your eyes and be like, Ugh. Ugh. just another church where I have to come and apologize for the things I've done wrong. Listen, 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 listen. 
I wish. Uh, okay, no. Okay. I wish. I wish that our relationship with God could just be about like, wow, I'm so loved. He champions me. He loves me. And that we could come to church and we could celebrate together and we could just be like, I'm loved. God is my, he fights for me. And that was it, an end of story. But did you know, do you know, like the reason why we can celebrate that I am loved, God champions me, he loves me. The reason why we can say that and know it with our whole heart is because Jesus died, like that is the evidence. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The evidence that we have in our lives for how God loves us so much, like He loved the world. The verse that probably most of you can recite from memory is God loved the world so much that He gave us His Son. So the reason why we can come into this place and rejoice and say, Jesus loves me. God loves me so much. He cares for me. The reason why we can do that is because God sent His Son to die for us. Now, do you know why God had to send His Son to die for you? It's because you needed it. Because you are broken and flawed. And in our humanity, we're idiots sometimes and we make mistakes and we screw up our relationships. Like, that's just what we do and so we needed help. And so God said, I love you so much that I don't want you to live in that sin. I don't want you to live in that death. I don't want to live you to live in that dark place. I want you to have great relationships. I want you to be, you know, to thrive in every area of your life. And because I love you so much that I want you to see you have life and life to the full, I'm going to send my son to pay the price for all of those things so you can walk in a different kind of life, full freedom, full life. So there is, this is where I'm going with this. There is this part of me that's like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we could just come to church and not talk about sin? Wouldn't that, they would, I mean, that would be a little bit more enjoyable maybe to not have to face our humanity and just celebrate the goodness and the love and the precious power of Jesus. Like, wouldn't that be nice? But the reality is, is the reason why we can celebrate that love is because we are sinners who can receive that love when we offer ourselves completely to Jesus. Now, I know that there are some of you in this room right now, and even as I'm explaining that and talking about that, you're thinking like, okay, I think maybe I have wanted to like accept the love of Jesus. Maybe you have accepted and you've said like, okay, I acknowledge that God's the perfect example of love. That's really awesome. And I even accept that I am loved and I get that. But you maybe never actually have gone back far enough in the story to understand that you are a flawed sinner in need of His grace. That coming to church isn't just about the touchy-feely and the love, no, not touchy-feely, the lovey. It's not about all the feelings. <laughs> and the goosebumps, and the great songs, and the great community, sign up for a connect group. It's not just about all that, but without the power of Jesus in your life. Like without the transforming power of Jesus in your life, without acknowledging that you are broken and sinful and that you need Him, man, it's just a party that you feel really good at. 
Some of you today need to recognize and admit that you're flawed, that you are sinful, and you need to bring that sin before Him this morning. Eh, it's not as fun as just like a celebration, whatever, but let me tell you, you bring your sin to Him, you offer it to Him, you say, man, I messed up. Man, I keep, I keep going the wrong way. I keep going back to these things. I keep looking at stuff that I shouldn't. I keep acting like an idiot. I keep, you go and do those things and you lay them at the Father's feet. You lay them at the feet of Jesus and you receive the forgiveness. Let Him wash that white as snow. Let Him wipe that slate clean. Let me tell you, that is why we party. Because after you've experienced that, freedom and after you've experienced that like taking that load off and leaving it at the father's feet after you after you experience that man then we party up in here <laughs> seriously because we don't we don't have to fear death we don't have to fear sin we party because we don't have to see the effects of that in our relationships down the road. We begin to party and we celebrate and we get excited. But listen, don't go to the excitement and the party and not think about what has to happen, what steps have to happen before then. Because if you just want to come and be a part of the party, you're still going to feel like something's missing. And that's why there are some of you in this room that have been coming to church for weeks or months or dare I say it, even years. And you keep coming to the party and the celebration every week, but you still feel like something is missing because you haven't laid yourself out at the feet of Jesus yet and offered him every broken part of you and asked him to step in and restore and redeem you. And if you haven't done that, then the party's kind of pointless because you don't even know what you're celebrating. Okay. Good. Woo! Guys, I got my preach shirt on today. Do you see this? Bring it. Hour-long sermon. Here we go. Just happened. <laughs> and some of you need to experience the forgiveness of Jesus this morning. If that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer right now. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Let's all across this room just say it out loud. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Bring the broken, ugly parts of you, the sinful, parts of you. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Listen, there's a lot more that needs to happen now in your relationship with God. Like there's, there's a lot more conversations that you will have to have with Him. And there's a lot more that needs to happen of you understanding what that looks like and how to walk in that and how to fully embrace that in your life. And that's why we actually have at the back of the doors between doors two and three and doors four and five, we have people set up there. If you wanna ask any questions, maybe you don't have a Bible and you need to get started on that. Maybe you just need some prayer this morning as you're leaving where you're just like, man, I'm just like was faced with my humanity this morning and I need some prayer. Find people at the doors as you're leaving today. They wanna pray with you. But listen, right now, would you just offer God, like this is right now in this moment, we've got a minute. Right now in this moment, would you, just, would you just offer God your life? Would you just offer Him your life right now in this moment? Maybe it's the first time you're doing it. Maybe you've done it a million times before. Would you just like, like I feel like I, I need to learn to do this on a more regular basis to see, God, I am broken and I mess up. I'm really selfish sometimes. God, I want you to lead me. God, I want you to restore me. I want you to forgive me. Would you just take a moment right now? Just like literally like 15 seconds, I'll time it. 
like 15 seconds, would you just offer God your life right now in this moment? Just close your eyes. Maybe you just need to raise your hands. Maybe you've never done that before. And right now, just as like a, a, a sign, like a physical act to God of like, I'm not holding on to this before. You just need to like open up your hands. Maybe for the first time, some of you just need to do that just to be like, okay, I just, I want you to know God that I'm not holding on to my life anymore. Five more seconds. Father, we are sinners and we are broken and we are in need of you. We can't do it on our own. We can't make it on our own strength. And the only way we've even got this far is because of your grace in our lives. And so God, for each person across this room right now who recognizes that they need you, that they need your power, that they need your strength, that they need your forgiveness and your help to live the life that you've called them to, God, would you give us strength? God, we recognize that as we come to you in humility, that that carries forward and it overflows into the rest of our relationships. And so we humbly come before you right now and say, Jesus, we need you. That we're flawed, that we don't point the flame, that we don't point fingers, we're not blaming. We need you. Amen. Listen, if you are in that place where you are ready to just like, Keep learning more about what God has for you to build a community of people who can journey with you and encourage you and strengthen you in whatever walk that you're on. Join a connect group. We have signups today. You can sign up at the kiosk or if you visit the table, there's a little harvest table set up out there um, with some of our attendants are there and we'll help you find the right group for you. That is a massive part. Listen, you can come to these Sunday services, but it's really hard sometimes to have conversations or to even meet people here in this place. That's why we have connect groups. That's what they're for. Sign up today. If you are new here and you've never been to APA before, or you may be coming for the last couple weeks and you're finally ready to let us know that you are actually here, if you could text APA to 555-888. Um, we'll send you, we'll ask you just a couple questions about like, hey, what's your name? And how do we get in contact with you? Um, and then we'll send you a voucher to get a free drink at Milk and Honey. It's a way for us to keep in touch with you and connect with you. If you're not tech savvy, please stop by the Connect Center and just fill out a card there. We'd love to get in touch with you this week. Listen, week four of Relationship Rehab is next Sunday and you are in for it. It's gonna be a good one. Have an awesome week. Enjoy the sunshine. We love you.